0: Person has made a big impact on our life.
1: Have really learned a lot from her. All right, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> no, we've had our own little counseling
0: in this whole thing. This has been quite the counseling session. <laughs> I hope you've learned a lot.
1: We've definitely benefited <laughs> from this. You we see it. did you
0: see that? Yeah, right.
1: and I just said we love
0: or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is your host Jeff,
1: and this is your other host Andre.
0: It's been a minute. Oh, has it ever? But it's been a good minute
1: since our last well
0: episode. Yeah, I just we're back feel... in studio, you and me.
1: I know, I know. Uh, we are excited for this season. Yeah, and what we have in store today
0: is something that's going to be really special. But before we get to it, I just want to I just want to point out that there's something coming. Let's call it a Hallmark holiday. Okay. It's called Valentine's Day. I hate
1: Valentine's Day. So, why as we, are we bringing
0: this back up, well, because I don't think everyone hates Valentine's Day.
1: I know. And we, I
0: do think, as a me, I feel the responsibility to do something special for you, even though you don't like Valentine's Day. But then I think about if I don't do something special around Valentine's Day and I can't call it Valentine's Day special, then you'd be like, <laughs> why don't you do
1: anything special for me? Oh my goodness. Have I ever said that? No, but. Mm, you know, whenever it happens, listeners, do you feel like we have? Let's see, we're t- been together for five years. Yeah. Do you think that we have talked about this exact thing not every exactly. year for five years? I
0: would love Andre <laughs> for you to go back to all the episodes and find the one where we talked about it.
1: I I feel we we like we talked about. <laughs> we need a fact check. Where's uh, our Monica?
0: We yeah seriously. Where's Monica from uh, Dax and.
1: What is armchair, the, armchair expert?
0: expert. Um, yeah, so I, I do think there's different ways that couples kind of engage this Hallmark holiday. Some people, it's a big deal. Some people are anti the holiday. Some people are very, what is it called? Uh, friend Valentine. What's that called?
1: I don't
0: know. No, there's a name for it. Galentine.
1: A, a gal- Galentine.
0: Galentine. So mm. there's that side of things. And then even on the gift side, sometimes it's like, okay, this is supposed to be a romantic night. Or this is supposed to be a, you know, sexy night. Or maybe oh it's a,
1: uh,
0: a proper night. I don't know. What do you...
1: I don't You see know. all the realms this that this could horrible. go?
0: This is horrible.
1: What do you mean it's Everything horrible? Everything about that just sounds so manufactured.
0: Okay. So you don't want me to do <laughs> anything for you. Is what you're saying. But like, but like, unless I, you know, think of something.
1: <laughs> unless you just think of something. <laughs> you know, I feel like love should be shown. Oh and my God. I don't
0: even know where you're going with this, but I can't keep listening. I'm just kidding. Every day. <laughs> not every
1: day. just one day. Oh. That all of a sudden... I should have gifts, or I should be shown extra love, (laughs) or I should be whatever. As a mom, though, because that is BS.
0: At the end of the day, as a mom, are you like um, actually, Jeff? What I really want is to not see you or the children. You need to give me a night away to do whatever I
1: want to do. I I feel like that around Mother's Day. Around (laughs) mother. <laughs> Mother's oh, Day is my break from being a mother. And isn't that a a, a hallmark
0: holiday? So also? then
1: Valentine's Day should be my break from giving love. Take a break. Wow. Why should I show my love today? <laughs> this day of all days.
0: Well, isn't this lovely?
1: It's I'm ruining it for you and probably all the listeners now. Well you guys can all still love it. I have no judgment. I feel for like the this would be a people that social. love it
0: a social debate or something we could put on the internet for those
1: that love it i have no hard feelings
0: okay well
1: just it's a personal personal thing to me
0: speaking of love and moms
1: yeah i i brought up the mother's day and we are talking to a mom today who actually started a whole organization she's a boss mom she is. We started a whole organization around uh, this idea about uh, moms who work. And so her organization is called Mom Who Works. And it's this online community that they've started that where a lot of women get to be a part of, lots of resources for working uh, women. And also... I, hang on. You almost stuttered. I'm going to call it out because she actually started this
0: because she doesn't want it to be called Working Moms. I know. And I, almost, I just
1: said working women.
0: I know, but you were about to, I, you are going to do I the thing. I maybe almost
1: did the thing she that she chain. doesn't want me to do the thing. We'll get into it later in the interview. <laughs> but she has a book and I think it's a great book. Yeah, it's great. It is called. So
0: perfect for our community.
1: Mom Who Works. And I feel like anybody who listens to this podcast and is a working woman should.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did it again.
1: You did it again. <laughs> is a mom who works, should definitely <laughs> get the book. <laughs> this is great. I love this. All right. Here we go. We got Jenna Worthen.
2: So I am married. Uh, we celebrated 11 years in November. So, uh, we have three kiddos, um, two boys and a girl ages nine, seven, and then three. So kind of started back over, but the third one is a girl and she is just so much easier than those. (laughs) 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 Now she's riskier and she's braver. And I'm sure part of it too, is like, we're just so much more confident and comfortable as parents, you know, but yeah. She's just so much more chill, but the boys are only 20, you know, two months apart. So that was just, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. But yeah. So we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, we both work full time own our own businesses and, um, I've been doing that, you know, the entirety of my motherhood journey too. So, um, yeah, to y'all's point of, you know, like when you have your own thing, can you have your own thing, but still remain together and keeping that, so important i mean that is there are times we do it well and there are times we do not do it well so yeah
3: so what do you think is the difference like when you do do it well versus <clears throat> not like what are the things that are working for you
2: yeah the things that work for us are like i know it sounds so trite but just like communication is so important um mm-hmm. and then also i think it's the ask and receive so like if i allow myself to ask you for help which is not something that comes naturally to me because i can usually get it all done myself If I ask you for help, I need you to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that that took a long time um, because I also think that some things that women care about, men don't care about getting done, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I think it's because we have the whole picture, obviously I'm making some generalizations here, but like I have the whole picture of how our family functions best. And so I may ask you to do a small piece of it. And you may not understand how that whole piece fits into the whole if we're not talking about that. You know, so I think that there were definitely seasons of life where it's easy for my husband to just like not do it because he was just like, it's not that big of a deal. And you're like, but this piece does matter to me and it does make everything better and smoother. And um, so we've actually, I joke about a family meeting, but um, when we're in our best rhythm, those are happening weekly. We sit down and we look at two weeks. So we look at the week coming and the one beyond that um okay. that way that lets us have a little bit longer range planning which i appreciate he's much more like don't tell me until the day i need to do it <laughs> and um i'm like that may work for you professionally that does not work at home um so <laughs> then we look at the upcoming week too just to make sure we don't need to make any last minute adjustments um, yeah. you know and that has been, and you're doing that just you two or just us kids two? involved no we haven't roped them in yet we We have opportunities with them, like on Sundays after church, when we go to lunch or different times where we start, I like to set the expectations for them for the week too, just because we're at the fun part where they're both in two sports. And, you know, I think that kids need to be reminded too, of what, how their decisions impact their time and their time management, you know? So whenever they're complaining that they don't have any free time, I'm like, you made a commitment to (laughs) play soccer and basketball. And Mm -hmm. that means, yeah, each of you are kind of in a practice or a game almost every night of the week right now, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's going to cut into your downtime. It cuts into mine a heck of a lot too. So
3: yeah, you kind of referred to like, and and I don't, I don't think this is necessarily gender specific, but like in your scenario, it is where you have a bigger picture of here, here's the whole story that's happening, and your husband can only see a very small perspective of that um how did you guys figure that out like that that this is how you see the world and this is the because I'm guessing at the same in the same breath this is a total me jumping in here that's probably the root of most of your challenges right like where so how did you first of all figure that out and and how do you you know, proactively uh, other than, t- you know, these kind of family meetings, like, yeah. How did you, how did you move forward in that? Delay?
2: Yeah. I think that it was kind of a fundamental decision too. And like, this is going to sound really gender specific, but it's just really who we are and how we're created and how we operate. Um, so I'm just, I'm a lot more type A. And while I have good creative side, he's much more in the creative space. And to be honest with you, like I've learned so much from him of what does matter, what doesn't matter, um, caring if somebody's happy with your decision or not, as long as you're responsible to them and kind about what you're going to do or not going to do. I've learned a lot in that regard. And so I think that as I learned what I could get less, I hate even to use the word controlling about it. It's kind of was like, there's all these moving pieces also he had to have a fundamental realization that his, the demands of his job at the time were too much to have the family dynamic that he wanted. So he actually sold his company um, at the end of 2018 and radically shifted kind of his work-life balance to where now he, like, it's easy to, in the moment, be like really angry with them. And how do you not see this? But looking back, I knew that he felt such a depth of responsibility to his clients and the work that he was doing. And because I am so structured and reliable, it was an easy thing for him to just kind of just stay focused on his work. And and to be fair, it was all consuming and demanding. Uh, We both work in the political realm. So, you know, during elections, I mean, it's twenty-four-seven plus, you know, so He kind of had to make a fundamental decision and he did and to the betterment of our family. And then we had a third little baby because everything was so good, you know, Um, that, that it was kind of those, those changes on both of our parts. So now, well, it's still not 50, 50 by any means in terms of operation of the house. uh, But some of it is just because I like to do some of it too, you know, like it's not just like a men's and women's work, although we've kind of jokingly defined it that way at our house. But to be frank with you, it's a nice thing because like if he hasn't taken out the trash, right, like easy example, then I'm just like, hey, you know, taking out the trash man's work. And it's like an easy way to diffuse like, hey, we've we've kind of set up what we each do. And then we also have a lot of help in our home. Uh, We have an in-home nanny that helps take care of the kids. But then that also comes with a lot of household management that lessens the burden on both of us. And so that's been really, really helpful and transformative. And then also he just, you know, he does not complain. If the house is a mess, he does not complain about it because he doesn't want to pick it up either, you know? So he's just like, well, when it gets done, it gets done. Um, But then, you know, but like I lead, you know, I don't, I don't, he does not micromanage how I spend money and decisions that I make in that regard. And I make most of them for us. And, you know, so it's a good balance now, but we do joke around about what's man's work and women's work, but that's only because we defined them that way and it's kind of a playful fun way to just not nag but kind of nag you know
1: i mean it sounds like also a lot of it is just like capacity right of like mm-hmm. who has capacity to add something more like if if both partners are working is what i would say like is like who has some capacity and and that changes every week right so yes. like who has capacity this week to take on bringing a kid to a doctor's appointment and I, you know, might, and he might not, whatever is the reasons for it this week. Or, you know, and I think if you're flexible enough in that way of like communicating your capacities and what you can and cannot do with each other, I think you can find it easier, you know, work around weekly or regularly versus it just defaulting onto a man's work or a woman's work, regardless, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of,
3: like, moving towards, like, no, this is all the children's work. I think we're transitioning, <laughs> like, well, we have, like, teenagers. We're getting into, like, teenagers yeah. this week, and, or, yeah, this week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, no, the trash, recycling, that's on you, dishes, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we actually need to sit down and have a family meeting, just you and I, and add more things to that. I, think I like right. that. Right.
2: Like that's... I mean, the credit, the credit my nine-year-old wanted yesterday for making his own bottle of water. I was like, son. Ah-ha! Like <laughs> this is not like applause worthy, you know? <laughs> like, like he's like, but mom, so I made this, my own. Like that's
3: yeah. okay. So in the midst of this, you uh obviously you started businesses, for profits, nonprofits, all these different things. And then in the midst of it, it seems like you felt this tension yourself started this, um, I guess, organization and premise of Moms Who Work. So can you unpack, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what's happened with that? What, what is that? And and what's the difference between working moms versus moms who work?
2: Yeah, good question. Thank you for asking. So let's see here. My first son was born in 2013. So I was working full-time, had another one in 2015. Uh running, I was not running my own company yet. But basically, um, it was in, I basically was the head of a department in actually my husband and his business partners company, because that's how we had met. So I had a very big job, very demanding. And I had two little kiddos. And I also had a husband who was in the middle of a very demanding job. And we were figuring out how to be parents who work together. And that was going well and not well, you know, just default, a lot of stuff was falling on me. Additionally, I was unwilling to kind of say, hey, here's what I need. I didn't have those tools yet. So I was on a run, which was kind of how I managed my entire mental health during that time in my life. And it just kind of felt like a divine moment of, you know, I was not tired of being a working mom, but I was exhausted by what I felt like the label working mom put on me. And it kind Mm -hmm. of this whole idea of what does it mean to be a mom who works? Because I think the ordering of the words matter, you know, like we don't like to say, you know, you really shouldn't say like a foster child, right? Because they're a child in foster care, you know, because Mm -hmm. one of the hardest stages of their life should not be what defines them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that working mom is a label that so many of us wore as a badge of honor, but it came with internal and external expectations put both mm-hmm. on us and by others. And it and it was creating just um the inability for me to find a space to really thrive and flourish. And it was almost like, you know, the the phrases are so important and different because working mom implies that not only the working is the most important part of her life now, which I would argue in seasons, your work kind of comes first. And it can be a little bit different too for women who really it is life or death if they're going to have food on the table. I get it, you know, Um, I'm in a very privileged position. Um, But it also implies that all the work comes before the mom herself, like who she is. Mm -hmm. And so the reordering of the words feels incredibly important to me. Additionally, no one calls my husband a working dad. You know, he's a dad who works. And I was noticing just differences. You know, if he was late to a meeting because he took the kids to school that day, it was like, whoo, you're such a great dad, man. You know, like a nice little pat on the ass. Like, wow, we just really like you. You're really awesome. Mm-hmm. And then if I was late for a meeting because I had something happen with the kiddos, I just had quite a few instances where it, it wasn't necessarily even overt. And it, I could have just been projecting my own insecurities into the situation, right? Which, so these pressures are internal and external but it didn't feel received with the same level of grace and understanding. So a question I like to say a lot that my life coach taught me was this idea of who said that. You know, and so if somebody said something to me that I thought I needed to do as a working mom or mom who works, you know, who said it? Who was I willing to listen to? Um, who were these voices that I was allowing? Um, You know, as working moms, we've had so many women that have come before us who had to fight just to even have a voice at the table. Uh, Obviously, we're still in the middle of that fight. But, you know, the women who fought for equal pay, who fought for job protections and work conditions, like they had such a harder job to do for us. But now I think that the women who are my age, millennials-ish, you know, we're the first moms raising kids with social media. And we have so many voices trying to tell us what this should look like. And I think that one of our greatest journeys is going to be, can we decide for ourselves what that looks like and be okay with it? Um, because I think that the pressure that we put on ourselves is just making it, you know, insurmountable. Um, so Jenna, and,
3: do, you, do you think that like, I mean, do you even like being defined primarily as a mom? I, I'm I'm just I'm curious about this because I'm like myself, obviously I'm a man and I I don't get categorized even as a dad. I get categorized as Jeff leads a nonprofit. Sure. Or I like being called by my name versus maybe all those things I that are part of my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, um yeah, I'm curious how you respond to that.
2: You know, I think that there, for me, in my experience, and for a lot of the women in our community, so Mom Who Works is now an online community um, for women. We've hosted retreats. And um, I just put out a book as well called Mom Who Works, redefining what it means to be a working mom in a world without working dads. And a theme that I have seen, so I started by collecting a bunch of stories. Um, so I have stories of moms who work from all over, um, different backgrounds, you know, different race, different you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Financial position, all, you know, all the things. And a common theme that I see for us is that the mother part of us is something that we take with us everywhere we go. It's woven just intrinsically into everything that we do. And it's no longer something, while I can be engrossed in what I'm doing, that piece of me is just like the mother, she's there with me at all times. And while I know that my husband deeply loves our kids, I don't see the same um effect on him, right? So, like one of the things I teach with our women a lot is you don't have to compartmentalize your life. It's actually quite beautiful when it can be one thing. So your to-do list might have mascara, I need mascara, and the kid needs an orthodontist appointment. And I have a massive RFP due for work. Like those things are all on the same list because it's become so intertwined. So it's hard for me. While mother is not the only thing that I do, I would say it's the, it's one of the pieces of me that I carry with me everywhere that I go.
3: So do you feel like for me as a dad, I should carry that more than I I, probably do? I'm curious.
2: I mean, to some degree, I'd be more interested in what your wife has to say about that, honestly. Um, But, you know, I, I just think that it's a little bit of a difference in how some of us function, you know, and I've got some friends whose husbands know, I mean, I, my, uh, one of my dearest friends, you know, her, her husband's right now the stay at home dad and it's working out perfect for them because she's a big deal, um, VP at a company and with the pandemic and all that stuff, they had to make some decisions that a lot of families had to make more often than not. It was the mom who gave up her job, but, um, he, this was what worked for them, but she still carries this piece of mother with her because we talk about it, you know? And so she's still wanting to make sure that she's going above and beyond with, present time with them and she's planning things and trying to own pieces of stuff that maybe a stay-at-home mom would, you know, a stay-at-home mom would do too, if that was her main role, which I really prefer like, you know, like the CEO of your home. It's not, you know, it's it's a very broad job. Um, but I see her carrying those banners still that I don't see my friends' husbands who work and their spouse stays home doing, if that makes sense.
1: When you said in your book, like the title, I think the second part was in a world without working dads. Is that right? Yeah. Do you mean just that definition that we don't call them working dads or do you mean just like in this big perspective that, that like, what do you mean by that term? Yeah, no, it's just a
2: tongue in cheek way of saying we don't have working dads. We don't call them working dads. We don't limit them by that, you know, and The phrase working mom, like the statistics are clear. Like it comes with less career mobility, uh, Mm -hmm. often lesser pay, which is why we saw during the pandemic, so many women choosing to stay home when their family needed to, because if nothing else, it was, they were making less money. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that their job was any less important or less fulfilling or that they were any less good at it. It was just a nuts and bolts decision, you know, so So, it's it's meant to, it's meant to make you ask you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I was, um, wondering what you think, like what you would say to a woman who could be, who is listening right now, who, uh, is a mom who works, but like is very, um, I mean, the goal is to like, we need to keep food on the table, working a lot, doing all the things that need to be done for the family, but really hasn't been able to like really see maybe what she actually really like wants to do or what her real like passion or purpose like she's not happy in what she's doing but she's putting food on the table and doing what needs to be done what would you say to that type of mom who works in that way of like figuring out really like more of the her passion or more of what makes her her or how to get into a space that maybe could be more fulfilling in what she's doing?
2: Yeah, good question. I have two kind of thoughts on this. One, I have a, my good friend Colleen uh, told me one time early on in motherhood, she said, don't let one season of motherhood define the entirety of motherhood for you. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you're a really good baby mom. Uh, One of my best Mm -hmm. friends right now. She's like, I was really good at babies, but you know, these five-year-olds, it's about to kill me you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe you're a really good middle school mom, you know, like your time is coming. So don't let Mm -hmm. one season define the entirety of motherhood for you. Right. I think Mm -hmm. that's really important to remember. Um, And number two, I think that it's really, I think that this is true for moms who work and women as a whole. And I'm sure men to some degree too, although not my, not my experience. So, you know, you'd have to tell me what you think, but I think that we're on this cyclical journey of becoming remaining and flourishing. And I think we get to go on it several times throughout our lives. And what I mean by that is in the context of motherhood, when you're becoming a mom and a mom who works for the first time, there's just so much others focus, right? Like you're taking care of literally maybe, you know, this newborn baby that you birthed or this new kiddo that you're welcoming into your home through adoption. You know, your journey starts with uh, a great surprise, or it starts with a long journey of doctor's appointments and, you know, adoption paperwork, however you become a mom, there's this becoming. Mm-hmm. And then it's so others focus, like you're literally caring for these others that we're like, you don't really have any capacity to think about what you want. You just mm-hmm. don't. And I think that that's the phase where we get so lost. Mm -hmm. And then once you finally feel like you've got just like a hint of breathing room, like maybe the baby is now sleeping six hours, you know, and you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, I can function. You know, then I think that you start to move into this remaining phase. Okay. And that's where you do kind of, you've got a little bit more bandwidth and capacity to say, okay, I've kind of got this. I'm feeling a little bit more confident. What is it that I want this to look like? you know? Mm-hmm. And, and cause like, I, I know I'm going to remain here. Like one thing I challenge a lot of moms is you may think you want to stay home, but if you're not sure, like you got to go back to work for three to six months, because it's going to take three to six months to figure out any sort of rhythm that makes sense. I mean, six weeks of that, your kid's going to be coming home from childcare because they're going to be sick because they're in childcare. And then you're going to be sick. I mean, like, <laughs> that's just the reality of it. Yep. Um, and so Then you get into this phase where you do get to kind of become internal, like, and look again of remaining. What does it look like to remain here? Who is she? What does she want again? And then that's where we really use the mom who works grit exercise, which I can explain in a minute to help you kind of define that. And then once you're really kind of moving and grooving and you've kind of defined what works for you and and how that looks, then I think that you move into the flourishing stage. And that's where you become others focused again. And that's where you might have the capacity to mentor another mom, or you might have the opportunity to help grow a business or assume a new role, um, and kind of grow. And then I think that something changes, uh, just in the context of motherhood, you know, Hey, my kids can make a sandwich or hello, fill up their own water bottle. Finally, <laughs> like what the heck anyway. And so then you can become something again. And she might look different because one, she knows more. And two, she's ready and capable for a change. And so then you might become something else again. And I think it's a journey that we get to go on a lot, right? Like with every stage of motherhood, there comes new um, demands and freedoms, right? And then, Mm -hmm. boom, you're an empty nester, you know? And then what does that even look like? Who is she going to become, you know? Mm-hmm. and and so i think that that's where i would really encourage women is to really not define the season that they're in as the entirety of their motherhood journey or their life journey just for people in general um but mm-hmm. then i really do see us on these cyclical journeys and we get to go through them as many times as we desire
3: can you explain for that because you alluded to it a second ago the the moms who work grid. i mean i saw i read it in your book um Yeah, there's there's like four different quadrants, right? Um, Yeah. Can you unpack that a
2: little bit? Yeah, sure. So it's an activity that I developed and um, it's super simple. Um, But basically what you're gonna do is it's just a four box grid, super fancy design, super fancy. You draw a T in the middle of your page and you've got four boxes, okay? And so, you know, first and foremost, you're gonna look up, hold on, I've got it right here in front of me. I wanted to look at it while I talk to you. First, you're gonna figure out what's working for you right now. Okay. And, and you can do this activity. I like to do it at least quarterly. Some I've had some gals tell me they do it once a month. Now I've had some say that week between Christmas and new year's is a super sweet spot for examination. They do it then, but it's just supposed to be super low barrier. So what works right now for you? And this could be something as simple as like our shipped membership is just critical, you know, like that is working for me. Um, or it might be you know, hey, I'm uh, working from home on Fridays. And wow, that is really working because I get to head into the weekend caught up on some household stuff while I still got my work done. Whatever it looks like. What works for you, okay? And then I want you to think about what do you need to, what where have you failed? Okay, and now I like to call them fails. And this is intentional because I think the word failure feels so daggum permanent You know, like, I just think the phrase, I'm a failure is just way too much for me. It's like, what have been some of your fails? And I want us to remember too, there's two categories. There's perceived fails and there's literal fails, right? Like a literal fail is, I have forgotten to pick up my kids from school three times in the last two months. And like, I got to set an alarm or something, right? Like, yeah, you did. You, you, that was a fail. That was definitely a fail. You did get them. I'm glad you remembered them, but you know. Um, or I did not meet a deadline. I did not hit a revenue goal. Like that's a fail, but I think that there's sometimes particularly with women, moms who work is that there's also these perceived fails where like, I didn't do enough here or something, sorry, I'm getting over cold. Something didn't, um, something didn't work out the way that you think others thought it should have worked out, but like, was it really a fail? I don't know. You know, I have this one client that haunts me to this day. I took them on. I never should have, but I did. And I went against my gut and guess what? Like I did not do a bad job for them, right? But it didn't end how I wish it had. It feels like such a fail to me, but it's just perceived. It's not literal. Like they met their goals. We're fine. But I would put that in my fails category, okay? And then in your other box, you're going to start thinking about like considering what works and considering where you have had fails. What are things you need to quit? Okay. So this might be uh, buffering with TikTok every night, which I refuse to quit still. Although I, I pro- I'm getting close to needing to. Um, but what do you need to quit? And these can be things like, I need to quit some guilt and shame that I'm feeling. And this also might mean that I need to quit um, ordering takeout. You know, or I mean, need to quit feeling guilty about ordering takeout. You know, so you really got to see kind of like what you need to quit. And the reason that that is so important is because we have to free up capacity for dreams, which is the final quadrant. And give me just two seconds here. I meant to pull this up ahead of time, but um, there's a definition of dreams in the Webster dictionary, Oxford dictionary. And on number two, it says a cherished and a cherished aspiration, ambition or ideal. So what is a cherished ideal? Like, I like dreams better than goals because goals, again, as a mom who works, who already feels like I have a lot on my plate, adding goals on top of that for me personally can create another layer of guilt and shame that I didn't get something done. Right. So, I love this concept of like, what is what are your cherished aspirations and ambitions or ideals? And what we're like going to quit, you know, what we're going to, what works is going to help us get to those dreams. Our mm. fails are going to inform our dreams because. It might be a matter of, hey, that fail is an indicator that I should never do that again. But also that fail could be an indicator of something that I'm super passionate about and I want to try again. And then what I need to quit is what's going to free up the emotional, mental, physical space and capacity to have room for those cherished ideals. And so it's just an easy exercise.
3: That's the fourth, the dreaming I think I've experienced is probably for... Moms who work is the space that man, like having the energy to and capacity to actually be mm-hmm. able to dream in the midst of all the things happening. I think that's the space where
2: that's really hard. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. It is. And it's hard for me yeah. right now. Like I'm in a season of burnout right now that I have never been in before. And I launched a book in the middle of that which then meant I didn't do near as much for the book that I really should have. If I say, mm-hmm. if I want to compare like what should have my book sales have been compared to somebody else's like, at the end of the day, I launched a book. Like that's a big deal and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not careful, I can't even celebrate that because yeah. I just was in such a space where I was taking care of everybody else. And that mostly meant my clients. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the most grueling, Work season of my entire life. I can never do it like this again. When I look at that grid now, I'm like, what do I need to quit? I got to quit how many I took or what type of races or whatever it was, because I can never do that again. Mm -hmm. So my dreaming box is like so tiny right now. It's like, you know, go to yoga and take a nap, you know, Mm -hmm. and like that goes against every bit of who I am Mm
3: -hmm. or who I've been.
2: Right. It's so hard.
1: What would you say to a mom who works that is um, just really stuck in that like guilt cycle right now where, you know, we spiral in that so easily? Mm-hmm. Um, of maybe not just like necessarily, not just working and not being around for their kids or whatever, but there's a lot of other guilt. There's a lot of other shoulds that we do. And then we feel guilty about these shoulds that we don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it's easy to see a lot. So many moms just uh, cycle in that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you see as something to like, or maybe ways or ideas to like break out of those cycles?
2: Yeah, that's good. Um, I feel the same cycles. Um, I think the one is, you know, the question of who, who said that, you know, mm-hmm. am I feeling a like should? Who
1: told you to do that?
2: Mm-hmm. Or who like,
1: said that was a... Like, yeah, like was it that you had to do?
2: yeah, was this a like did you are you feeling guilt because you didn't get something done that you and your spouse or you and your child or you and your best friend discussed that you wanted to do? Like those are people whose voices are in your life that matter, and those mm-hmm. are people that you should listen to, right to some degree, however right. you want to do that. but are yeah. is this should you're feeling is that is it who said it by somebody who's picture perfect on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Like, is that the voice that you let in instead? You know, I, I
3: picture perfect on Instagram, it's like they set up the shop, you know. That's
2: yeah, yeah, and like you don't know what's in the background. And guess what? They had hair and makeup there that day, and they had professional lighting. <laughs> you know, like,
3: right.
2: um, you know, there's some. I, I do love TikTok. I, I like say that jokingly, but what I love about it is like the creativity that you see of people on display is just such is so inspiring. But also, if you're not careful. I found myself just a few weeks ago going like, "Oh God, I'm just so unhappy with my body." I'm like, oh, That girl is 22 and she has had she has not had three children. Like, Mm -hmm. what in what universe is? Am I going to allow her voice into my life? Like, Mm -hmm. she's lovely, and I'm so glad for her. But you know, like, so who said that? I think that that that's something that is just so important. And if it's not somebody who you are in close relationship with, um, who knows your heart and that you trust. Um, or somebody that you have found mentorship with, um, maybe that has your same, you know, values and those kinds of things, you know, like their voices can't be the ones that help set up those shoulds for us. Mm-hmm. And I think the next thing that's just so mission critical to everything, and I think answers your question of, you know, is it possible to change the world and love your family and stay connected? Is that like I don't believe we can have it all unless we define what it all is. Mm -hmm. So like what your all is, is different than my all Mm -hmm. and my all changes in different seasons. And if my bar of comparison is always just comparing what you, what looks like your all that you do, that that's somehow the all I should do too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just where we're never going to feel good. We're never going to feel whole. We're never going to feel complete. And you need to know that this is like a stripping away process that I do regularly um, but one exercise I do take you through in the book is this idea of a mom who works manifesto, um, where you're just answering some really important questions and prompts that let you go. Now, wait a second. Why did I say I'm doing all of this? Like when the days are hard, or I'm uncertain, or I'm weighing a good opportunity versus a great opportunity. You know, it's something to return to. Is what is this definition of what it all looks like for me um, mm-hmm. in this season of life, and what does it look like for my family? You know, um, I think that those are important questions we have to ask, but again, you have to have the space and capacity. You got to be willing to sit still and get there. Um, I do think that the week between Christmas and new year's is super special for that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but that's defining my all and what that looks like has been the most enlightening and empowering exercise.
3: See, I want to go back to something right before you said all this, you were talking about TikTok and you were like. You know, you started catching yourself comparing yourself to TikTok. Yeah, you I mean, the truth is, like, most of us spend more time listening to voices on social media than we do mentor or advisor types mm-hmm. of voices, which is mm-hmm. just, no, you don't think about it because it's just one minute here and one minute there and 10 minutes there and you laughed or whatever. But at the, end, at the end of the day, like, we start listening. To people that we shouldn't let into our brain at all. I mean, it's just like it's just such a broken scenario for all of our minds. It's kind of sad. I'm
2: turning into old
3: man status. I right. mean, officially
1: TikTok, You get it. It's from the devil, right? Now, <laughs> there's there's
3: there's incredible mentors on all of social media, also. But it's, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I, you know, I work with a Team of people and and yeah, I, we ask this question oftentimes. Like, who are these people listening to? It's like they're mm-hmm. listening to TikTok.
2: Well, right? and we know too with the algorithms. Like, not to go off on right. this too far, but like we know that then you are they are creating a bubble for you, right? right? Yeah. And then like I just think that so much of that is just sowing. You know, that's just what's creating division among us. Right? Is whenever. You no longer have to interact with anyone who thinks or looks or believes differently than you, you know, mm-hmm. and it just starts to just become a real problem when we're not, you know, getting outside of that. Right. Which, again, I think is a fallout of the pandemic that we're all trying to navigate right. again is connecting once again, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I
3: love that statement. You said that you said that, like to point back and going, there's there's stories we're telling ourselves. Right, and they're sort, mm-hmm. and then kind of go. Well, what do I actually really think about this? What are what are my belief systems that beliefs this, or what mentors have I asked to see what they think about this? I mean, uh, what a.
1: But I think even like when we like define it even broader to like the family, like you're yeah. like even that. I see families that are just they're wonderful families that Jeff and I see, and we're like, wow, they're great. But like we would not to life like like we just we don't want to be that that. we don't want to make those decisions we don't Mm -hmm. want to live in the burbs or we don't want to do this or we don't want to do that so therefore they're wonderful amazing people but we still need to define our family how we want it to look
2: Mm -hmm. yeah because also I think the thing that is so powerful and important is like your all is not better or worse than my all.
3: Sure Mm -hmm. right
2: Like, yeah, but if I don't feel confident and grounded in that, then the decisions we make on behalf of our family um, and others reactions to that, you know, can really ruin some of the magic and adventure um, and connection that your family's trying to achieve. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I appreciate the work that you're doing and in the community you're kind of gathering. It's like, I think there has to be spaces for people to talk about these things, you Mm -hmm. know, and um so you interact with all these moms right and so you probably hear the good stories the best or the ones that are working the ones that are not Mm -hmm. so do you think it's possible do you think that yeah that we can you know you and your husband are doing this obviously you guys are both doing purposeful work and you have a family and Yeah. Do you think it can all, is it possible? Can you do all these things and and sustain this life?
2: I think that, again, it goes back to, I have to define what that is going to mean. And then can I stay true to that in our current systems and roles and careers and commitments? And I have to be willing to always ask the question of, you know, what do we need to quit? What is working? what do we need to quit? What do we need? I have a friend who I'm so inspired by. Um, She's a few years ahead of me. um, And I really look to her as a mentor, you know, and her son is just like an amazing soccer player. Amazing. And they sat down as a family and said, this has been too demanding. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: he walked, he had to step away at like a very pivotal, you know, 15 ish, 16 years old. And it was so, I'm just so in awe of that because the idea of saying that something like this, that you really care about, and it wasn't that you can't play anymore. It was saying at this demand level level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know what I will do with that someday or if I'll even need to have that conversation. Sweet kid, you know, ended up trying out then just for the high school team and was like the number one goal scorer in the entire division. Like, and he hadn't even touched a ball in six months, you know, like, So, but just like the boldness and the willingness to say we are, and just like knowing their family so well and doing that work themselves to say, this doesn't align with our values. This doesn't match up with who we say we're going to be. That also serves our ultimate mission of changing their piece of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that the, the definition of what that means for your family and the willingness to stay true and an integrity to it, then yes, you absolutely can, but it's never going to be one size fits all. And it's never going to stay the same for very long. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so fluid. Yeah.
3: It's unusual to hear stories. like I appreciate you said, because like most, I think the majority of couples and families would say well we have to do this for our kids and this is you know this is happiness for them or whatever and then they get to 18 they leave the house and the, the couple's like wait who are you again the, the empty nester phase they've done so much on behalf of their kids that they've lost each other mm-hmm. i think that's the more common unfortunately common say so your your friend who sat down and had i mean that's heroic in a lot of
2: it so. yeah i think so too You know, it's, so it's counter, counter counter-cultural, right. To Mm -hmm. the, you know, and, and I did, I, I I tweeted about this once and it went kind of, you know, as viral as it could for me, you know, a few hundred people. Um, but also just this idea of like, I'm pretty anti-homework, um, Mm -hmm. because I just think that that is perpetuating just kind of that, like your work is never done feeling Mm -hmm. at like a very young age. And I'm like, in what world does my kid go to school for seven hours a day and still need to do homework? Mm -hmm. When that's Mm -hmm. like our family time, and that is our sports or activity or whatever time that I think creates a well rounded life, right? Of like work Mm -hmm. really hard and also play really hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now, while we do do the homework to some extent, you know, there's a lot of times where we just had to say, like, buddy, I'm not going to hound you to do it. And yeah, you're only Mm -hmm. in second, third grade, whatever. But if that means you have to miss recess because you didn't get it done or take a zero, like we're good with that. Like if you're good with it, if you're not good with it, then I would expect you to do it differently, you know? Um, But I'm just not, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna force you into this. And we'll figure out what that means as time goes on. Obviously stakes are a little low in lower elementary, but Mm -hmm. it's just something we've really talked about is that we're just, you know, if it's not some big project or an area that you're not lacking in, You know, I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to, that doesn't feel true to us having as much family time and that kind of stuff that we would like to have in the evenings. No.
0: And now it's time for the breakdown.
1: What did you think?
0: I love the grid concept because, you know, I like a good diagram. Of course you do. Like a good diagram. You're a white male leader. <laughs> I'm a white male leader. I love a good diagram. Uh, what do I need to quit? What's working? What are my dreams? And where have I failed? Those four questions. are. It's just a good check in. You know, to kind of go, where where are we right now and, and what needs to change, right?
1: But she also said, like, what are my fails? So I don't, I like that. And this idea is that, like, we have them mm. all the time, these fails. And whether that's a perceived fail versus a literal fail, but we always have these fails. Because I think for me, probably as an Enneagram one who doesn't like failure very much, that would be very hard to say, where have I failed? But if I just say, what are my fails? I feel like it's understandable. Like it's, it's just like, this is life. We fail a lot.
0: Yeah. She did talk a little bit about the family meeting concept, which we've had some other people talk about that over the years. We've tried that. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like we're good at family meetings. I did bring it up in a conversation the other day with you.
1: Yeah, when we had a big when you <laughs> kid fight. I'm not saying who
0: was yelling at who, but someone yelled at a kid. <laughs> and I was like,
1: "Oh, someone yelled at a kid. <laughs> who could that be?"
0: And I was like, "Well, maybe we need to have a family meeting about this whole concept, which we didn't have." But it did make it reminded me of the value of this concept where anyone in the family can call a family meeting. She didn't explain it quite like that because their kids are younger. Yeah. yeah, I like it too.
1: I like it, especially now as our kids are older.
0: I feel like if we propose that back to our kids, Nico would be like, I want to have a family meeting every week. And he'd bring up consistently, I want more screen time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anytime that they bring up the things that they like would like to improve, it would be like, Screen time. I, I want to stay up later. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would just endlessly week after week. So it's like, do we want to take this on? Or He'd be not? like, can I have, I have a family meeting?
0: <laughs> I want to just have more snacks and less meals.
1: Yes. <laughs> can we replace meals for snacks?
0: Um, okay. So Okay,
1: my part that I really liked was when she said that question about who told you that or who said that which is like that idea about whose voices are you letting impact you? Like, who are you listening to? And I loved how she said that if it's not someone who is close to you and knows you and knows your family and knows you well, that we shouldn't be listening to them.
0: Yeah, who said that? That Mm -hmm. was a good, It's a good, I need to, I need to, kind of integrate that I think into my brain waves, like when as a response to something I'm thinking
1: well you know they say a lot of times they say they say that's the thing is is people do this a lot they said they said or I heard or (laughs) you know what I mean and you just kind of take it and you almost think of it as truth or you think of it as something then therefore you should also be doing or do yeah that's what they say That's what they say. That's what they say. But we need to say
0: who who said said that. that?" (laughs) Who said that? Who's they? That's what we have said that to my dad. We do. Well, they say there's a big storm coming to town. Well, who said that? (laughs) Well, the weather guy.
1: What weather guy? Because he has it on an endless loop. (laughs) Well, Uh, this is a great. I also like one more thing. Wait, I was wrapping up and you keep going. Just one more. I think the idea of not letting one season, and she said season of motherhood, define the entire. Like rest of your motherhood or whatever um, story, but I just really think in life, like letting one season define or affect the rest of your life. Yeah, that's good. I think is an interesting like way because I know that there are lots of people listening that have had really hard seasons lately, and um, but this doesn't have to be forever and it probably won't be forever um, but just how it, we can move from that and grow through that too
0: wow well
1: I'm grateful for Jenna I'm grateful for this interview and I really think you guys are going to love the book Mom Who Works so go out and go buy it. it now
0: go get it that's another awesome episode of Love
1: or, or. Work. Work. See ya.